We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, it is, it is mailbag time. We have a couple super chats here, and there's one for sure I definitely want to get to here. Uh, David uh, Prevo has a super super sticker. Thank you, David, very, very much for that. Michael S. has brought up a question that we get on the message board, and I, and I want to address this again because I've addressed it before. Michael S. says, Brian, why don't you ask questions at Marcus Freeman or other coaches' press conferences? It seems most of the questions are softballs. Nobody, nobody's hold, nobody holds coaches accountable or informative at these conferences. First of all, I've asked several questions of Marcus Freeman this year. Uh, I did. I tried to ask last couple, didn't get raised because I'm not there. And, and the people that are there should always get first dibs on that. I'm not complaining at all. I don't think they're purposely not asking me. It's just there's only a certain amount of time and they give the questions to the people that are in attendance. Sean Styers has asked several questions. He asked questions at, at every press conference. But here's the thing. People like want us to go there and act like fans and just rip them and say, oh, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And that's just not how it works couple things you have to understand number one what do you think they're going to say right and then michael followed up with a comment where he said i'm not saying to ask insulting questions but to ask for explanations why certain obvious things aren't or are happening i.e why is Notre Dame one of the worst red zone teams on, on both offense and defense uh that question got asked that question got asked of marcus freeman on monday it's been asked in the past it got asked of al golden last night and it got asked or excuse me got asked of tommy reese last night it got asked of Al Golden last night, I believe. That was also one of the questions that he's been asked. People ask those questions all the time. It's like if we don't come out and say, what the freaking heck are you guys doing? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Tom, uh, Tommy Reese has been asked about why aren't, why isn't Chris Tyree used more? He's been asked about Braden Lindsay. He's been asked about you know the run game. Why aren't there bigger plays in the run game? Al Golden's been asked about certain things that when they weren't impressing the quarterback, when they were giving up big plays, he's asked about you know what's resulting in the big plays. Marcus Freeman gets asked about those things. Like these questions are getting asked. We're we're just not going to go in there in a confrontational manner and go at them for a number of reasons. Uh, number one is I do think it's it's unprofessional to go at a coach that way. Now you can go. I believe you can go back at a coach. If, he, if you ask a respectful question and the coach comes at you and you feel you're in a position to go back at him, you can. I had that happen to me one time with Brian Kelly. I didn't go back at him because I wasn't in a position to do that. I was new on the beat and I was an employee, which meant if I did, my boss could have fired me. Now I'd have no problem going back at a coach if he came at me that way, number one. Number two, 
it's it's just there's a certain level of etiquette i believe that goes into this you can ask a tough question without it being an attacking question but all these things that people say why aren't you asked this i think like i i've yet to see a question at somebody say something like well why haven't you asked this when in reality those questions have been asked somebody even asked what i thought was kind of a ridiculous question of do you regret not starting drew pine at the beginning of the year remember when he was like good for two games because like after two games it was like you guys are idiots for not starting him day one and now it's this kid's a bum he shouldn't even be second string you know it's kind of funny how that goes right but marcus freeman was directly asked that right do you think it was a mistake now i didn't agree with the question i agree with the premise but hey you know what's a tough question and he answered it so all the things that people have asked uh, the things should be asked are getting asked and you say, well, I don't like the answers. Oh, okay. So like, do you want me to us to keep hammering until he gives us the answer we want to hear? That's not how press conferences work. Number one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried Trade Coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee, and I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection. The rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash Irish. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. Here's the second bigger picture thing you have to understand about Notre Dame. Notre Dame, since I've been on the beat, but especially last four or five years, has taken more and more and more access away from the media. 
even things like my wife shooting for shoot, she shoots photography for games. They don't let them get as close to the team anymore coming out of the tunnel. They don't even let them walk into the tunnel anymore and take shots. They're not allowed to do post-game videos on the field anymore, as we got notice of that. They're, we don't get to go to practice at all. right? We, we get to a couple – we go to two full practices in, the, in fall camp. right? One of them was non-padded. right? Didn't have pads on. We don't go to any practice during the season. Notre Dame is producing more and more of their own content, which is where all this is going. And, and they're limiting access more and more and more to things that you do so they can push everything. Notre Dame eventually wants to have their own channel, and then basically everything kind of goes through them, through, the, through that. That's what they're working towards, in my opinion. And so some of the sites are geared towards they need the access to be successful, and that's not a criticism. That's an observation. If they don't get access to the team, they don't have as much content opportunities, which hurts their business. So if you go in there and start attacking, 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 guess what? You don't get called on at the next press conference. You know, you, you, you could potentially lose your access at some point in time, or most likely what they would do is they would just punish all of us and take away some of our access. If you do it in an unprofessional manner, I'm not saying asking tough questions. I'm not saying Notre Dame would take away our access if we asked tough questions. I think some tough questions are asked. But again, our, the job of the media is to ask questions to write articles, right? That's what the job of the media is at these press conferences. If you think we're going to be able to go out there and hammer Marcus Freeman and finally get him to admit what? What do you want him to admit? Look, man, Tommy Reese stinks. I can't believe I hired this. What are you going to want him to say? And then if he were to say, wait, Tommy's not doing a good enough job. I can't believe he threw his offensive coordinator under the bus, <laughs> right? So – I think Coach Freeman has gone too far in his defenses of his coaches. But I would rather him do that than throw them under the bus the way that the previous coach would do at times if it meant protecting himself. So you're just not going to get what you think you're going to get. What we do is we're going to come here and hold them accountable this way because there's nothing's going to change by me going into a press conference and getting into a fight because you know what happens? I look like the a-hole. And Driscoll just yeah. picking a fight with Coach Freeman. What what's that all about? You know what I mean? Like, why is he going at Tommy Reese? He's got a practice to wear. He's got film to go wear. What's Driscoll going at him like that for? And I and I think they'd be right. You know. So I already know what Tommy Reese is going to say to every single question he's going to get asked. And so what? Do I, I can keep picking at him to try to piss him off. But what would that accomplish? That just make me look like an a hole, right? I already have a big enough. I already have that problem. <laughs> You know what I mean? I don't need to do it by picking a fight with the coaches, right? It does Tim Priester no good to go there and pick a fight with a coach, right? It, it does us no good to do that. And that's the only way we're ever going to get the questions answered that you want answer, addressed. And even then, it's probably not going to happen. So I understand the frustration, but this is what we do every single day. This is why we have daily shows. We're going to point out this is what's good. This is what's not good. And we form opinion. We shape opinion. We have people that will argue things. that, And it's not, I won't say that. We don't form opinions as much as people think we do. We give voice to a lot of the frustrating opinions. And then we can help explain to people what they're seeing. I don't like this, but I'm not quite sure the problem. And then you come to our channel and we break it down for you. That's where the frustration comes. You you know how you want to make a difference with the Notre Dame football team is when they're not putting a good product on the field. It's not by asking Marcus Freeman tough questions. It's by the stands not being full. 
and people not paying the money to go to the games. It's and people not giving money and donors and boosters and stuff like that. That's the only way that anything's going to change in Notre Dame. The only thing that would happen if we were to ask a tough question and get them on the ropes is it would maybe make us feel better about ourselves. And that's not our job. That should not be the objective. It's, it's, it's not, it's to tell a story and you hold people accountable by what? I mean, I think we do a pretty darn good job of holding Notre Dame accountable. I do. Right. But we're going to be much more effective doing that here than we will Mm -hmm. by trying to pick a fight with Marcus Freeman at a press conference or going at him or anything like that. So I understand why people feel the way that they do. I really do. Because as a fan, I kind of would feel the same way. But at the same time, people have jobs to do. And and the other sites have built their model in a way where it does them no good to create an adversarial relationship with the coaching staff. We can survive that way because our model is differently because I just knew that I wasn't going to be able to run a business where we weren't giving our honest opinion, which is going to piss coaches off, right? So we've yeah. built our model a little different, which is okay. It's not better, not worse. It's just different, right? There's no point of creating a new site that's just like everybody else's. We wanted to be different. Irish breakdown, We're doing something different, you know? So you have to understand that. But I just feel like I would I would just like people to understand that that you're not going to get what you want from these press conferences, if you ask tough, all it's going to do is make you look bad, in my opinion, Ryan. And you may have a different opinion of that, but I just don't think that's the way to go. It may 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 make fans feel better, but I just don't. I just don't think that's the way to go. It's my thoughts. Well, I I, I I think I think a lot of what people really like about the site too is like speaking to the message board aspect of it, right, Brian? Is the intel that we can gather, and I mean. The only way you gather intel is to have relationships, right? And and that type of interaction in a press conference would potentially fracture a relationship. I mean, we talked right. even about the fact that we were able to run Jeremiah Love's commitment publicly, right? I mean, that's something that we had to run by the Notre Dame department to make sure that they were okay Just with to it. to find you know out. What I mean? com- well, to make sure that it was good compliance-wise, compliance. right? right? Exactly. Exactly. So to not step on anybody's toes or that type of thing, right? So this whole profession is based upon relationships that you develop like that's how you get the information that you want so like it's not going to these it's not just going to the press conferences and and writing down the same monotonous answers that we know are coming it's about you know oh well you were respectful to that person so now behind the scenes you are going to get a little tidbit that maybe others aren't going to get like that's kind of the the four that's the format and that's how you get the intel that people love on the message board for instance But we will also sacrifice that if it definitely needs to be sacrificed. And we have done that this year. I promise you there are people that I could call over the summer that will not answer my phone right now. Promise you that. And that happened in the past too, because our job is always to bring you honest analysis. But there's just a a right way and a wrong way of going about it. And getting into a public spat with a coach at a press conference is just not going to be. That's what's going to happen. Because if you say, well, that's not what I'm asking for. Well, what you're asking for, though, has already been done. Those questions get asked. Red zone red zone offense and defense was a topic of conversation, which is why Sean Styers wrote an article about it this week on our site with quotes from Marcus Freeman because he was asked about it. And he explained it. Coach Golden talked about it yesterday. Coach Reese talked about it yesterday. Red zone has been brought up. They explained it. You can accept it or not. I think some of it's understandable. Some of it's true. I mean, Notre Dame's red zone offense looks a lot better last week if Michael Mayer doesn't drop a pass in the end zone and if Drew Pine throws a better ball to Tobias Merriweather. All of a sudden, we're looking at a 
you know what, 50, you'd add four, you got field goals from both of those. So you'd have eight more points. You're talking about 52 to 21. That would have made it a little difference, right? So, you know, that's just kind of where, where that stands. So I hope people understand that. I, I you know, there's a, there's a way to hold Notre Dame accountable and it's not going to the press conference and saying, Hey, why aren't you doing this? Cause those questions are getting asked. They're just getting asked. And I think the one thing I'll say about the Notre Dame media is I, I, some of the press conferences are just like, they're just so monotonous because it's like, how often do you want me to ask the same question over and over again? Right. I can't keep writing the same article. I know that this is an issue week after week after week, but I can't keep writing the same article week after week after week. I got to talk about something else. And that's the struggle. And I, you know, sometimes they're boring, but I, I think when there's a very glaring issue, I think the Notre Dame media does a decent job of someone brings it up. Sometimes people mm-hmm. bring it up in a way where like, Oh, that was a, bad way of asking it he's not going to answer it the way you want him to answer it but it gets brought up ian johnson with a mailback question as a wide receiver would you rather get two catches on deep shots or six catches on shorter routes i.e quantity or quality big plays i think whatever i mean honestly in that instance it's just whatever's going to help us win and what my role is as, as a receiver but role is guys the biggest thing yeah. yeah i think scoring role, is role. The big, i mean yeah Everyone has their their own individual role in an offense, right? So, like, I think, Ian, that that really depends on what your particular role is. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're hit catch two catches for two for two deep shots, it's probably a, probably a, t- a couple touchdowns that you were able to wrap, re- reel in, right? So that could be the difference between winning a football game right. and not winning a football game. So I guess well, the former in this conversation, but it really depends on what player we're talking about, what if offense you're structure – if you're Braden Lindsay, right. you want him to have two catches on deep shots. If you're Avery Davis, if you're Jaden Thomas, give me six catches on shorter routes. Because what they're going to be asked to do is be a diff- you know, Avery Davis was primarily a chain mover. Now you'd be occasional deep shot. Sure. I had a big touchdown against Purdue last year, big touchdown against Clemson two years ago, but he's primarily a move the chains guy, right? Braden yeah. Lindsay, big play guy. So and, and there's it depends some- on what your responsibility is. And, and there's some players that create their explosive plays in different ways, right? So, like, A.J. Brown was not a deep shot guy, but what A.J. Brown could do is catch a five-yard out and then break it for 25, you know, because he's so good after the catch. So, I mean, even in that instance, it's like, you know, a, a short catch for one player does not necessarily equal a short catch for another player, right? Just because you're catching it at a short distance doesn't mean that that's the exact number that you got on the route, right? So there's – yeah, especially today's game with after the catch being so important. There are some players that that's, you know, their average depth of target is shorter, but they create explosive plays just because that's who they are, right? So, Tom Burke asks, if Notre Dame loses to either Syracuse or Clemson, do you feel Notre Dame should start to rebuild, giving younger players experience in the remaining three games? I am really never an advocate of that, Ryan. I mean, you have a responsibility to coach your players to the best of their ability, give them the chance to go out and win that next game. So let's just say you say, okay, well, we we lose to uh, Clemson and Syracuse. Now this team is four and five. I'm not playing the the younger guys because you need to get bowl eligible. You need to do whatever it's going to take to win to get bowl eligible. If that means playing a younger guy because he gives you a better chance to win, then play him. And we've argued for that. We've argued for that with Tobias Merriweather. But – you still have responsibility to Isaiah Foskey, right? As long as he's still wanting to go out there and compete and practice and better his game and, and be part of the team, you owe it to him to continue to help build him to help his finish career off on a strong note, to help him get ready for the NFL draft, not bench him to play a young guy to build for next year. That's a that's just not something I'm ever going to support unless there's a mm-hmm. issue with a player. This guy's attitude right. is I'm sick of it. 
So we're going to bench you. For, but that's more related to the, that player than your record or whatever else. Now, would I say that um, maybe does that advocate to, to – to, I'm, I'm giving the different ways that Tom's question could be taken. Now, is there some merit to saying, okay, maybe you should get Josh Burnham five to ten snaps a game as part of the rotation? Okay, that mm-hmm. I might want to have a conversation about. Maybe, you know, hey, let's let's get Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Snead on some of these special teams units to help them get some experience. That Tom, I could have a you and I could have a conversation about. So uh if you're if you're gonna take the one extreme of, and I'm not saying Tom's doing this, this is just what some will go, you know, just put all the young guys out there. I'm not gonna support that. I'm not gonna support that. If you're saying maybe you start to work some of these young guys into the rotation more, okay, yeah. Now now we can have a conversation about that. You know, now right. I'm in that. Now, if a guy's playing poorly, then I say make the move. But that should be the case whether you're winning or losing. If somebody yeah. gives you a better chance to, comp- to to can somebody gives you a chance to play better, perform better at that position, then you make that move. Whether you're four and five or nine and zero, oh, which is yeah. the I believe the number they'd have nine games after that stretch, correct? So mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good question, Tom. It's a good question. Next question. We do have a super chat just popped up here from, uh, let's see, WDYT. Thank you for the super chat. Said, do you think the OC feels the urgency of positive outcomes and modifying course in order to, one, win current games, and two, not lose recruits? You'd hope so, but I don't think so. Because, again, it comes down to what does he think the issue is? If he thinks the issue is right. him, then he should modify things no matter what. If he doesn't think he's the issue, then he's not going to make a lot of changes, Ryan, to, to to do something different. I mean, that's that's end of the day, that's what this all this whole thing boils down to is I don't think he believes he's the problem. Right. Yeah. You there? It's it's the self it's the self-awareness that I have talked about. You can hear me? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I thought we were having some dis, uh, disconnect there. My bet. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that the, the self awareness I think is lacking on the offensive side of the football, and the person that's calling the plays and making those those decisions. I think that there is. That, I mean, do, to, to the question, WTYT. I think that there should always be urgency for those things, right? Especially with how important recruiting is in the world of college football, and two, to win games just in general. Like those things are why you coach, right? Like you coach to win football games and how you win football games is by acquisition of talent and being able to develop that talent. Like that's how you win football games. And I do not think that there is an urgency to this team right now. I think that there is a belief in the process, but again, coming back to my original point early on in the podcast, if you're, if your end result does not, if your if your results are not, if your if your process that you are currently using is not getting you to the end result that you want, you need to change your process, right? Like you need to change right. things, and it, until you do, there's no. It doesn't matter if you're urgent about your process because your process is at fault, <laughs> like to begin right. with, right? So I think that's why we're kind of struggling right now. Yep. Next question from Ash Trey, 1984. Why does Reese favor uh, favor the players that are less talented? Biggs, Salerno, Thomas, Salerno, Evans, do you think it's because he wasn't as physically gifted as a player and he relates? I'm going to disagree with two of those. Logan uh-huh. Biggs is very talented. Yes. Mitchell Evans is talented. My yeah. issue with Mitchell Evans playing more has nothing to do with him not being talented. It's you've told other players that they're not playing because they missed playing time. They missed injury time. 
And then mm-hmm. as soon as Mitchell comes back, you put him in the lineup. Now, if that was Michael Mayer, everybody would understand. But Mitchell Evans, I don't think, should have earned that. But I think Tommy Reese likes him more than others. So he played him more. But it has nothing to do with Mitchell not being talented. He He's much better than I thought he was going to be as a tight end earlier in his career. Right, He's a good athlete. He's a high school quarterback. The other two, I, I, I somewhat disagree. I don't think Jaden Thomas lacks talent either. No. I think Jaden Thomas is being criminally misused. Misused, yeah. Like, yep. that's an issue. So I think what it comes down to, Ashtrays, I think it's twofold. Number one, I think Tommy Reese flat out plays favorites. Flat out. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a guy he likes, whether it's a guy he recruited, whether it's a guy that fits the scheme that he wants to run as opposed to the team scheme that's best used for this football team. The other mm-hmm. part of it is, is like with Salerno and Jane Thomas is Jane's a pretty smart football player. He's picked up on the offense pretty, pretty well. He wants to play the guys can execute all the volume of plays that he runs. I've been told by, by people that would know that the play sheets have grown quite a bit since last year. Just, this is an area where I think coach Kelly was able to kind of rein Tommy in a little bit because he was an offensive coach. Coach Freeman has given him, or maybe Jack Swarbrick has given him, full authority to do that. And he thinks he's an NFL coach. So he's going after these big, huge game plans and you need guys that can run all of that. And Jane Thomas and Matt Salerno can do that better than Deion Colsey and uh, Tobias Merriweather, apparently yet those two guys are more talented, but they're not playing. It's gotta be some kind of happy medium, but with Logan Diggs, I think it's more, he likes Logan more and style of play wise, as opposed to him not being talented. I, I vehemently just push back on the notion that Logan Diggs isn't, is, is less talented. I think Logan, I ranked Logan Diggs higher than Audrick Estime coming out of high school. And I still think he's a better all around back than Audrick Estime. I, I've always felt that. I, I mean, it's, I mean, you can, you can make the argument that he has the best all around skill set of all the running backs on the roster right now. We have you? made I mean, that can, argument on this show, Ryan. We both right. have made that argument. Correct. And, and, and you're not, he's not the best. He's not potentially the best all around player because he doesn't have talents. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't, he's six foot. He's not fast. Right, he's That's not super fast, but he's six right. foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds, powerful, good hands, great quick. balance. Like there's, yeah, like there's traits that he has that makes him really talented. Is he as fast as Chris Tyree? No, but you know who else isn't as fast as Chris Tyree? Ninety eight percent of running backs in college football. <laughs> like that, it's not a detriment. That is just yes. a difference of skill yes. sets. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's favorites, but I think it's for different reasons, and I don't think it's I don't think any of it is because a guy is less talented. I don't think that's ever the reason. To be honest with you, let's go to the next question. Notre Dame two one six four. First play of the game is a deep shot to Lorenzo Styles. He drops it again. Do you bench him for a certain amount of time or no? Boy, this is a tough one because he has dropped some big passes. I think for me there there'd be a lot more to it than this and and my concern with lorenzo is the body language the 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 what i cannot answer about the body language is why there's a lot of reasons why kids have bad body language lack of confidence in themselves frustration with the coaches they're thinking about leaving they've got a girlfriend problem they've got a parent being sick problem you know like uh, Jamie on Franklin, a former Notre Dame player, is at Duke, and I mean, I'm I can't imagine what that kid's going through. He's playing, he's for he's playing for Duke. He's a part of their rotation, and yet he's got a mother who's battling cancer. Like it just, I mean, that kid's going through stuff that uh, you know most people aren't going through. 
that can weigh on a kid, you know? And so I don't know what's going on with Lorenzo. I don't know if he's struggling academically. Again, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying like, there's so many different reasons um, as to why this could be the case. And I don't really know what the reason is. So it just would depend on what the problem is. If you don't, if he had a great week of practice and he was locked in and all that, and he just drops a pass, then I'd say, okay, man, I'm, we got to do something to get you going. But if he's had like a sloppy week of practice and he's not locked in and, and, and whatever's causing the bad body language is seeping into his preparation for the game. And then he goes out and drops a pass. I'd probably pull him at least for a while, give him a couple series off and say, Hey man, we, we, we need you. We need you to play. And then I'd put him back in there and throw him another ball pretty early and see what he does. But if he had a good week of practice and he just dropped the ball and his body language is good and he doesn't put his head down. That's the final piece I didn't mention is how does he react to it? If he comes back to the sideline, his head is down. He's kind of moping a little bit. I, I That would lead to it as well. But he comes back, he's like, dang it, my bad coach, get it to me again. Then I'd say, okay, let's get it to him again. Because he's too, he's too talented and he's too important to your offense in, in regard to being able to go out and beat USC and Clemson and, and Syracuse to just yank him off the field if he's still there and willing to help you. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of the that's kind of the thing where I look at it and say it just depends on how the circumstances and you know how he how he responds and all that kind of stuff. Archer four five two says, when will Notre Dame's com- uh, Notre Dame com- complete two thousand twenty three schedule with dates for every game be released? Ohio State's just got released today, so I'm curious. So uh, Archer, Notre Dame's two thousand twenty three schedule is complete from an opponent standpoint. The problem is, is that the, there's four games on the schedule that currently are not uh, given yet. So that is Duke, Louisville, NC State, and Pitt. So four of the six, they play six ACC teams next year. So they play Duke, Louisville, uh, North Carolina, all on the road, and then Pitt at home. They also play at Clemson at home against Wake Forest. So uh, those two games are set. The other games are non-conference games, so those are more locked in. The reason that the you know USC's same time every year, Stanford same time every year, they obviously set up the Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Ohio State schedules because those are non-conference games. Because the the Notre Dame games with the ACC are partly due to ACC play, it just depends on the rest of those teams putting their schedules together and seeing where it's going to fall. So. Uh, those are the things you look at and, and, and factor in why it's not set. So it's basically going to come down to when the ACC releases their f- complete schedule, then Notre Dame's will be finalized as well. Brent Smith asks, do you believe Pine's throwing accuracy was affected, affected after guys bell rung? Uh, to me, uh, let's see here. Uh, I would say uh, no. And, and I saw the conversation you're having earlier because you say, well, he missed a couple touchdown passes, but he missed those throws before he got dinged up too. Uh, I don't think his accuracy was necessarily affected by that because it didn't look any different. He was still missing those throws. So it's hard for me to say it was affected. Now, maybe it was affected, but again, it's hard for me to say that. Um, and and kind of, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe you could say that and. And, it, and maybe it was, but it's just hard for me to say for sure because he was missing on those throws early. I mean, he was like 9 of 19 before that that happened. Sports Cool 77. Do you guys feel that because of the success we have had blocking kicks that Syracuse will be so concerned about protecting against the block that Joseph has a chance to break a big return? I think it's certainly possible, Sports Cool. That's a very good question and observation. Um, 
you know, or maybe there's a shank punt that gives you like a 25 yard kick that gives you great field position. That's certainly part of it as well. You could see something like that happening. Uh, that could be part of what, of what happens in this one. There's all types of different aspects of this that could certainly go into it. Uh, but that's why you go, that's why you're aggressive. I mean, I, I think that's a great observation because they've blocked what, like four kicks uh, this season so far. And, and I think most of them have happened relatively recently. If I, if I, if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, I'm going to pull this statistic up now. Uh, but I believe they've blocked four this year. I believe they're like sec tied for third in the country. So there's like one, two teams tied at number one, and then they're tied after that uh, in blocked kicks. But I believe that the block, a lot of the block kicks have happened recently. So if I'm going to go game by game, so they had one against Marshall. So that was early. And then three in the last two games, they had a block kick against Stanford and then two block kicks against UNLV. So three of the four have happened recently. So that that's a big thing. And, and all of a sudden against Marshall or I me mean against uh, UNLV, you all of a sudden see them kind of rushing kicks off. And all of a sudden Brandon Joseph is getting shorter kicks that he's able to return for five to eight yards. But the five to eight yards combined with the shorter kicks is leading to you getting great field position. So, yes, it's a good, very good observation and certainly something I think we could see on Saturday. Jason Rose says Notre Dame has faced two better quarterbacks than Schrader and Stroud and Stroud and May and more than held their own. Sure. But that doesn't mean just because they did that doesn't mean they could have an off game this week. It's just about being disciplined and executing. But I think Garrett Schrader presents a, a little bit of a, of a, a unique challenge in my opinion, because I would say he's a little bit more of a experienced dynamic runner than May is May's a scrambler. Uh, May is not a designed runner. Shroud or Schrader is more of a designed runner. Stroud is not a runner at all. I mean, he's a pocket guy. Now he did some really nice stuff out of the pocket, but he did it with his arm. He's not a runner. So they're just different players. I mean, they've Jaron Hall is a very good quarterback. They shut him down. They, Notre Dame has faced very good quarterbacks this year. Uh, Tanner McKee is a guy that some people think is going to be a future NFL quarterback. So they've played some pretty good quarterbacks this season. Uh, there's no, there's no question about that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. David Prevo says, why haven't we seen any design pass plays to that look to Mayer with all the focus on him at first option and pull that defense over to create uh, opportunities for wide receivers? We have seen some of it, but not nearly as not enough, David. So uh, the play against Stanford was similar to that. So they went uh, two by two or uh, three by one out of 12 personnel. I believe there was a tight end backside and Michael Mayer was play side. And then you had Tobias Merriweather in slot and you had, I think it was Braden Lindsay outside, but uh, Tobias ran a post route. Michael Mayer ran kind of a backyard, backside sort of deep drag. I don't know if it was a seam that he bent, he leveled off because the guy stayed on top, or if, if he was purposely running 
on the guy's toes and then running on a drag to kind of occupy him. It could it could be either way. They're going to look very similar from an execution standpoint. So I don't know specifically what the call was, but it accomplishes the same thing. Run right at that guy's toes, eat him up. If he bails, then you look for the ball because you're going to be open behind the linebackers. If he sits on you, then there's a post route coming behind you. And and that's what they ran and they, they set it up. But to your point, I, I think that they have some done some of that stuff, but the problem is, is they're just not, the quarterback's just not looking for him. There was stuff that they ran on Saturday where he looks left to Mayer and Braden Lindsay's wide open to the right. There's a play where Tobias was wide open opposite Michael Mayer. So comes a point in time where you just got to tell the quarterback, don't throw it to him on this play. But then you kind of limit yourself because, but what if the coverage is such that he's going to get open on that play? It's going to eventually come down to teaching your quarterback to make the proper reads and then the quarterback making the proper reads. But I do think there's more that they can do there, but it's not a lot more. There's things they can do for decoys to create big plays. I'd say maybe four or five times a game we should see more of that, but it's not like 20 times. But to your point, it's something that certainly could be effective and something could help the offense if you can do more of that and where it's done in a noticeable fashion. Like, man, you you really put teams in a pickle. If you can do this with Mayer and then do this off of it, could really hurt. it could really hurt people. Wayne Miller says, listening while picking up my daughter, I meant there's a lot of things their name could do, the ifs, but do you think we will see changes on Saturday, Wayne? And, and this is a follow-up to your point earlier, and that's the thing is I don't, I don't know. I mean, seven games in, honestly, Wayne, I'm not overly optimistic they're going to see a lot of changes. I don't think we're going to see Tommy Reese all of a sudden figure things out. Somebody had made a comment that, you know, they were practicing and saw some different things. I've heard they do that stuff all the time. They practice that stuff all the time. That's the frustrating thing. From what I've been told by sources – they don't run a lot of the stuff that they practice. They practice a lot of stuff, and then they don't run it all. My thing is have less that you do in practice and be really good at it, and then find some counters off of it. You know, So uh, I'm not optimistic it's going to change because we just haven't seen it. I'm hopeful that it'll change. But to me, that's different than that and optimistic. You know, I'm not optimistic it's going to change because we haven't seen it. I just hope that they do and, and, and hope that the light goes on because, as I've said before, you know, there's a reason I supported Tommy Reese coming into the season. And I hope that he recovers and bounces back and becomes a guy I think he's capable of being. But after seven games, I'm not just going to assume what's going to happen. I'm going to say what I think needs to happen. And if he listens, great. If he doesn't, then he doesn't. I don't mean listens, but like he's not listening to us. But I mean, just listens to the people around him, listens to his head and, you know, humbles himself a little bit and says, boy, I got to make some changes. If he does that, then I think he'll be fine. I think it'll be fine, and, and we will see those changes. I'm just, I'm, I'm at the point now, Wayne, really, where it's, I got to believe it. I mean, I got to see it to believe it. I'm just not, I'm not going to assume that it's happening. I just got to see it. I just got to see it. And when it, if I see it, then great, we'll talk about it. But I just, I got to, I got to see it to believe it. Got a super chat here from uh, McKay Rippy. Are y'all up for an IB meetup at Syracuse? So. I'll be uh, getting in town Friday night. Ryan will be getting in town Friday night is the plan. So it'll probably be too late to do anything on Friday. If you all do something like before the game, if you all decide to meet up somewhere on campus uh, for the game and have like a tailgate, let us know. We'll definitely come by. It's just, it's kind of hard for me to organize something for a, um, you know, a, an event like that where I'm just kind of coming in downtown the night before. Like bowl games is a little different because for bowl games, I usually come in town a few days before the game. Uh, this is a little bit different. 
So uh, I won't be organizing anything, but if you all, if you all want to do something, feel free. I mean, go for it. That'd be, be a lot of fun. So uh, just let me know and we'll come by. We'll definitely come by before the game for sure. So I would uh, enjoy meeting more and more. I love meeting y'all, man. Every time it's always fun. We we did a meetups in Arizona back when I was at the previous place, met some people that I now consider friends, met them for the first time there. And, and and several people we had great time in arizona last year met some really cool people from all over the country met people i think from like idaho or montana something last year which is like and then there's like people from florida people from arizona people from california uh, people from illinois and we all met in phoenix you know so i always enjoy those those things so if you guys organize something and let us know where you are we'll we'll, we'll swing by and, and we'll see you michael hughes thank you for the super chat by the way michael hughes says is tyree secretly banged up when he has tried to get to the edge, he hasn't had the burst to get there in recent games. I, I don't agree with that. I don't know that they've tried to get him to the edge, to be honest with you, Michael. Um, a couple times they have, it's on it's on plays where you're not running. As, you don't get to the edge like by just running as fast as you can. That's not really a thing uh, that you do very often. You, you get to the edge on the second level. You go vertically and then bounce it up the outside. Like his touchdown run against Syracuse and Clemson in 2020, they were both up the sideline, but they started up the middle and then got through the first level, and then he bounced. So I don't think he's had those opportunities. But uh, I've looked into this because I had the same question just because of, like, how are they using him? Is there a reason why they stopped giving him the ball in the past game? Is he banged up? And the answer is no. Um, no, I don't. he's not injured. He's fine. It's just a choice. It's a coaching decision. Uh, let's see here. Brent Smith. How would you characterize Drew Pine's play overall? Brent, very two words, wildly erratic. That's it. That's it. I mean, when he's on, he's been pretty good. When he's off, he's been pretty bad. They need him to be more consistent. That's going to be the key. If Drew can, if they can find a way to get Drew more consistent and tailor the offense, like here, here's, here's, here's what it is. I, I remember listening to, um, Watching, I love watching the – I don't watch the NFL, but I still love watching the NFL films. They do such great work, especially when Steve Sable was alive. But they were covering like the 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 the, the year Tom Brady took over for Drew Bledsoe. And I remember a conversation that he was having on the sideline with like – it was with Drew Bledsoe who was hurt. But he, was, he was back and helping. And they were asking Tom Brady like, what do you like? What are you comfortable with? What, what, what do you what, – and I feel like I don't – I don't know if they're necessarily doing that in their name, but they're definitely not calling it to a way that that drew things that drew really likes or finding what drew really likes and what, not just what he likes, but what he's good at. And they're going to have to figure that out, honestly, because they need him to be better and he's got to play better. So part of this is on drew, right? Drew's got to play better. He's, you know, he's got to make a better ball to Tobias Merriweather. He he can't throw it on the line. He's got to throw it soft and high. Let him go make that play. You know, he can't, he can't just, constantly lock in i mean look does he need to coach get coached better yes absolutely is the volume of what they're putting in keeping him from playing this potential yes absolutely are there times where i'm like dude that's on you drew yes absolutely and so he's made some great throws it's just the consistency of it you know the, the throw to, to Jaden thomas really good throw the throw to tobias merriweather against stanford great throw he's made he made two great seam throws against BYU he made two great third down throws to Michael Mayer against Carol one against Carolina one against BYU where it's third and 10 and he just puts that ball high and lets Mayer go get it he's made some great throws and then he's missed some really easy throws like the the to Chris Tyree um you know going up the seam for a touchdown and and uh, should have been open for a touchdown just missed him you know so he's gonna have to make those plays he's gonna have to make those plays 
And eventually he will. He eventually will. Next question from Holden Cotter. Let's see here. Let's get to this here real quick. Holden Cotter says, do you think the defense will write its problems as the year continues to go on like it has in the past under new DCs? Or do you think these issues will last season long? That's a really good question. In some ways, Holden, the defense is and will continue to get better. And part of the problem with the defense is they're not doing enough. Let's see. They're going to – They're. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. They put so much volume in, and Golden asks so much of them, that it, it hurt them. But that, as long as they continue to kind of stay on that course, eventually you get through the year, and these they start figuring things out more. What he wants, how the, he can use them. Um, this is what this call means. This is what Coach Golden likes here. This is what Coach Golden wants here. Eventually they figure it out and they start making more plays. And I hope that's what we saw against UNLV. You know, I hope that's it. I hope it wasn't just because they're really bad. I hope that's what it is. And so they'll figure some of those things out. However, there's also a a notion of they put so much new stuff in every week that they'll never get to the level that they're capable of because there's always new stuff that they're, you know, could run the risk of not executing well. And so I think that helps. that would help if they would scale it down. Like, okay, we've put enough new stuff in, right? We don't need to keep adding a bunch of new stuff. Maybe that's already happened. I don't know if it has or hasn't, but I think they've gotten steadily better. I mean, again, we're ticked about the Syracuse game or Stanford game. They came up 16 points, you know? So, I mean, the defense is giving you a chance to win every game. And so the problems are, are their problems. I mean, against Clemson and Syracuse and USC, you might give up more than what you've given up in those games. So hopefully they can continue to clean some things up and stay healthy. But I think over time, yes, I do think that some of that stuff will get better just because of more time in the system, learning it and executing it more. I do. I do. Ed three with a super chat. Thank you, Ed, uh, for that very, very, very much. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. I want to thank you all for being a part of our show today. Thank you all uh, very much for the questions and the different conversations and those different aspects. And so I want to thank you very much for that. Tonight, we have another IB Nation Sports Talk show with Vince D'Addario and Sean Styers, obviously our host, but Vince will be with him. I believe they're doing the mailbag again tonight. Tomorrow, Ryan and I'll be back to talk keys to victory. So we'll dive deeper into detail about what Notre Dame can and should do to beat Syracuse and what they'll have to defend against. Then, of course, tomorrow night, we'll have another IB Nation Sports Talk show. Friday, we will have our prediction show. And then, of course, Saturday, Sean and Vince will have the IB Nation countdown uh, to kickoff show at 10 to noon. And then, of course, Ryan and I will be both be at the game on Saturday. And we'll have a post-game show afterwards. So uh, hit that like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Share this podcast. Check out all the cool stuff we have below. Bill Bar, merch stuff, all that good stuff. And, of course, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreak.com. Irishboards.irishbreakdown.com. Thanks for joining us so much, everybody. Have a great day. And thank you for being with us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.